0: Welcome to the River of Life Church podcast, your home for weekly messages that will equip you in your spiritual growth. Thank you from everyone here at ROLC, and enjoy the sermon. Well, good morning, everyone, and good morning to our online worshipers who are watching from around the community, the state, the nation, and even around the world. We're thrilled that you've tuned in to lift up the mighty name of Jesus with us. How many believe God has a word for us today? About five of you. How many of you believe God has a word for you today? He does. He does. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever prayed for someone or something that by human standards was impossible? Even when you prayed, you, there was that inkling, that hesitancy, maybe a better word, that says, I don't know about this one. I'm here to tell you that we serve a God of the impossible. Yes. Amen. Nothing is impossible for Him. And we see this illustrated in John's Gospel, chapter 9. Turn with me there in your Bibles. Make it a habit of bringing your Bible to church. John, chapter 9, verses 1 through 7. Scripture reads, Now as Jesus passed by, He saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is still day. The night is coming. When no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said these things, he spat on the ground and made clay with the saliva. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with that clay. And he said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. So he went and washed, and came back seen. Praise the Lord. Jesus specializes in the impossible. He does. He demonstrated this throughout his entire lifetime. For three and one half years when his ministry began, at the age of 30, his life went from miracle to miracle to miracle in the lives of people. And his encounter with this blind man wouldn't be any different. Jesus, what he was doing at that moment, was capitalizing on the title of my message, the moment. Everyone has a moment that is God-ordained and God-destined. There's always more than one moment that God has destined and prepared for all of us. None of us as Christians are exempt of being used by the Holy Spirit. None of us. We all have something to give. Sometimes it's very easy to get caught up in receiving. And God is a giver, amen? He wants to bless us. Scripture says with every spiritual gift in heavenly places. He's a blesser. He's a giver. But if all that our lives focus on is about Receiving, 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 then we're not stepping in to the moment God has prepared for us at various seasons of life. There's a ministry. There are people to be touched. There are people all around us who are hurting. And God ordains the moment when we become someone's miracle, someone's answer to prayer, someone's provision, someone's encouragement. Don't miss the moment God has destined for your life. If so, what would have happened if the man that Jesus had go and wash in the pool of Siloam, what would have happened if he chose not to go? Scripture says because of his obedience, he came back seen. He was clean. He was healed. What a joy to be someone's miracle because we obeyed and stepped in. To the moment God had prepared for us to be a part of. Look at the person next to you and say, There's a moment for your life. It was the moment when Jesus acted that this blind man had been waiting for. And it all began with my first point the man. This man had never known the joy of sight. Scripture says he was born blind. There was a physical defect. He had no eye sockets nor eyeballs. There's another incident in Scripture where a man who had once seen became blind, and Jesus restored his sight. Two touches. I've preached a message on that in the past. The second touch. But this was not the case. This man had never seen When he came out of his mother's womb, they knew immediately that he would never see the light of day. There were no images he would associate words with. If you were to say to this man, that is the most beautiful shade of red I've ever seen. He knew the word red, but no image to associate. He had never seen. Red was only, as he had been taught, a color... But how do I decipher, distinguish that color? He had never seen red. How could he describe the beauty of a sunrise or a sunset? He had never seen one. There would be no description he could give. Snow-capped mountains piercing the skies were no more than a narrative with missing pictures. He had never seen. What had the man done to deserve something like this? You'll find whenever people see something or observe something, they don't understand. They immediately make an assessment. And most of the time, the assessment is wrong. How would we know unless God revealed to us what the whole history is behind the narrative? Even the disciples, they had their opinion. Look at John's Gospel, chapter 9, verse 2. His disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned? In other words, obviously, somebody must have done something for this man to be this way. Who sinned? This man or his parents? That he was born blind. What did he do, or someone else do, connected to his life, to cause this? Sometimes, again, people are so quick to cast judgment. They judged the man, the disciples. And I'm sure the village this man grew up in from an infant all the way into adulthood now, I'm sure they judged him as well. But not Jesus. Aren't you glad? Jesus doesn't judge. And he can. But yet, he has already predecided grace, mercy, forgiveness. Hallelujah. And this is what led to my second point, the mud, the mud. Do you know a religious spirit will roadblock your faith? A religious spirit will roadblock roadblock the faith of others. A religious spirit is judgmental, legalistic. Oh, I understand the law of God. I've heard some people say, now that we're under grace, we're no longer under the law. No, we're no longer under the judgment of the law, but we're still commanded to obey the law. If the law was cast away and came to an end after Christ came and met every standard of the law, as well as every prophecy made of Messiah, then we would have legal right to go and break every command, every law of God. Why not go ahead and commit adultery? Why not go ahead and commit murder? Why not do... All the things that we're commanded not to do. The law of God hasn't changed. It's just God has met the standard to provide the judgment of the law which he took in his own body when Jesus hung on the cross. So that we can have redemption. And no longer be judged according to the law. And receive such a wonderful, great grace and salvation. But that doesn't mean we don't seek to live a righteous life. So many times when people see things they don't understand, they immediately cast judgment. And this is what a religious spirit does. Judging others is how people deal with their own fears and insecurities. Sometimes when you see something you don't understand, the first reaction is always self-centered. What if this had happened to me? Or what if this happens to one of my children that... My wife and I give birth to. What if they're born blind? They become fearful, so they want to set up safeguards, protections, walls, fences, so that'll never come near their dwelling. And so how do they do that? By seeking to be so law-centered that they are preventing any type of calamity from ever coming against their life. So that could never happen to my household. I remember when our daughter went home to be with Jesus in 2007. You think the devil didn't bombard my thoughts? You're a pastor. You should get a bye with things like this. You're a pastor. Is there something wrong in your life? Maybe this is your fault. Maybe you opened the door to the devil to do this. And it doesn't help when... Another pastor calls your house and says, if you had had more faith, your child would still be alive. Cindy and I were overwhelmed. Sometimes bad things happen because it falls under two words, spiritual warfare. Jesus said it, in this life, you'll have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. Sometimes bad things happen because the devil wants to stop our voice. He wants to bring our praise to a halt. He wants us to judge God's faithfulness by our circumstances. But the God we served and still serve brought us through. And whatever you're facing, he'll bring you through too. If there's something that needs to be readjusted in our lives, if there's something that's out of order, then it's always good to reassess. Sometimes we can open the door for the enemy. But if we know our hearts are clean before Almighty God, that's when you just realize and you come to that place that I'm in a spiritual battle and the enemy wants to stop my voice. He wants to put out my light. Notice that Jesus said, To the disciples, as long as I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. Who carries the light after his resurrection and ascension to the right hand of the Father? We do as believers. We become his light multiplied. Time and time and time again in every believer. So what happens? You go to a stadium, whether baseball, football, soccer. If it's a night, night competition, they have all of those stadium lights, right? When they turn them on, it's like daytime. It's astounding how they can illuminate that field. And we think of all of the believers now who have professed the name of Jesus. We become the lights that illuminate the stadium called the world. So that people can see clearly Jesus. Jesus said that they'll see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. So when bad things happen, don't turn off the light, make it brighter. Think of it like a rheostat. You can actually turn up the light if you choose, amen? Max out for his glory. And that's what Jesus did in this situation. Everyone had been judging this blind, now man, since his very first breath, judging his parents there must be sin in their lives. And aren't you glad that Jesus stands ready to correct our doctrine and our theology? When you take and you look at the father of the prodigal son. He had two sons. One strayed, left home. One stayed and remained faithful. Then finally, throughout the years, when you take and you look, the father, when the son, one son who wanted to leave home came, he wanted his inheritance. He wanted to go out and be his own man, do his own thing. He had been raised in church. I'm going to just modernize it for a minute. Raised in church. I was tired of all this Jesus stuff. I'm going to go out and experience the real world. And it breaks your heart as a parent when, when your kids say something like that because when you've lived longer, you've seen a little bit more, and you know what the recompense, what the consequences can be from bad choices. And so both sons receive their same inheritance at the same time. Some people feel like, well, the prodigal got his, but the other son didn't know. Scripture records They all received their inheritance, those two boys, at the same time. So they all experienced the same grace, the same love, one another from the Father. Yet one chose to leave and the other didn't. So when you take and you you look at this, you see that even when you do all the right things, we can't control the will of someone else. There is a thing in Scripture referred to as free will. People make their choices. But thank God He orchestrates a plan. Thank God when when Paul said in Romans 8, 28, all things work together for those who love the Lord. Amen? Amen? For those called according to His purpose. Even when this son strayed from home, this father didn't know that Scripture yet, but he knew the principle. And eventually the son returned home. But this father had to continue to fight the good fight of faith. What was happening? His son was in the midst of a spiritual battle. And you'll find when the devil sees he can't get you to stray as a parent, he'll attack the closest thing to your heart. And that's when we as parents, as fathers and mothers, next Sunday is Mother's Day, Mothers, thank God for your role. Be godly women. Be godly women of God. Be mentors in the lives and hearts of your children. That is an awesome responsibility. I believe the greatest responsibility because you're shaping future leaders. You're shaping those that will make a difference even with their faith in the lives of others and make this world a better place to live in. We can turn the tide in advance if we take and sow into our children in advance. Karl Marx understood the power of capturing the heart and mind of a child. He said, give me a child and I'll give you the world. Only his whole advance for communism, the man a professing satanist, buried in Great Britain in a cemetery for the godless, he understood but he drew his cue because God said it first. And that's all the devil does. He's a copycat. He takes what God has said and tries to pervert it. And so the prodigal, he came home, amen? And so if some of you are even standing in the gap for your sons, for your daughters, don't allow the enemy to bombard you and baptize you in condemnation and guilt. If you have self-assessed, search your heart and you know, Lord, everything within my power, Lord, I, I sought to do, but I can't change a heart, only you can. Then you just stand and fight the good fight of faith, amen? Job went through it, lost everything, but, and they all judged him, but God restored a double portion. How many of you who are waiting for that breakthrough, that miracle, are also would gladly embrace and accept a double portion from God? amen he received a double portion in everything all of his his material possessions his finance his life god blessed him double thank god for the double blessing hallelujah praise the lord again spiritual warfare is something that we all face and then when you go back to our scripture for the morning message in the midst of everything what did jesus do He heard the words of the disciples, whose sin is it? I'm sure there were people around, Mm -hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yep, whose sin is it, Jesus? Come on, tell us, you call yourself God, you call yourself Messiah. But in the midst of all of the many voices, Jesus maintained his focus. He didn't allow the opinion of the people to deter or change what he knew was truth. And what he also knew was necessary. Look at John 9, 4 through 6. He says, I must work the works of him who sent me while it's day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And when he had said these things, he spat on the ground and made clay with the the saliva. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. I love this because it shows us Jesus wasn't intimidated by this man's condition. He wasn't thinking about himself. What if I minister to this man and he's not restored, he's not healed? Because this man just didn't need his sight restored. He needed a recreative miracle. He needed new eye sockets. He needed new eyeballs. Something had to be created from nothing. And Jesus brought to the table Exactly what was necessary. And when faith collided with this, of this man with the faith of Almighty God, Scripture records he was healed. We see this in John 9, 7. It says, so he went and washed and came back seeing. I love that. When our faith collides with God's faith, the source of all faith. Do you know miracles are released when you partner your faith with God's? So many times we just say, God, just just take care of it. Do it. And you say, well, where was the faith of this man? He obeyed. Here he was, Jesus, spat on the ground, mixed it with the dust, the dirt of the earth, made clay from it, put it on both eyes, and then the Lord says, go and wash in the pool of Siloam. That man could have said, you're right, get this off my eyes. But he acted in faith when he obeyed. He did what Jesus said. Just like the woman who was caught in the act of adultery. She was thrown at the feet of Jesus. And after all of the accusers had left, Jesus said, where are your accusers? She says, they're not here. Then he said, neither do I accuse you. He didn't stop there. But then he gave one more command. Go and sin No more. You're forgiven. You're free. Now, by my power, change your lifestyle. Change your choices. What brought you to this point, now you can leave here dead once and for all and step in to the inheritance that I have prepared for you. And that same word is for all of us today. God has many blessings if we'll do what he says. Go and wash in the pool of Siloam. When he did this, Jesus was doing something that had never been done before. Can you imagine if you came to service today? There was a pot of clay up here. And all of a sudden I spit in that pot of clay, get a little bit of mud from that, and I say, come up, I'm going to anoint people's eyes today. How many people do you think would be at this altar? What Jesus did was very unconventional. So I'm sure all of the naysayers as they stood by, the people in the village, all of those filled with judgment and condemnation, they're all saying, oh, this is getting good. We've got him now. But Jesus wasn't trying to be sensational. Actually, what he did transpired 2,000 years approximately, or not not 2,000 years, 4,000 years prior to that event. And this is what prepared the blind man for my closing point, the miracle. Imagine again what everyone was thinking when they saw this. We've got him now. He'll make a fool of himself. But in all actuality, Jesus was setting the stage for a re-creative miracle. One that was set in motion all the way back. In the book of Genesis, chapter 2, verse 7, when God created the first man. Genesis 2 7 reads, And the Lord God formed man from what? The dust of the ground. That word dust in the Hebrew was also defined as the dirt of the ground. The very first man was made from the dirt of the earth. Eve was taken from the rib of Adam. But still, her consistency and its origin is from the dirt or the dust of the earth. And he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. Every fiber of our earthen bodies were fashioned from the dirt of the earth. And just as God created Adam from the dirt, Jesus used what? To do a creative miracle in this man, he used dirt to supernaturally recreate this man's eye sockets and his eyes. Just as God used dirt in the very beginning, it wasn't just a sign to show something that had never, never been done before, and, and it hadn't been done before up to that point in time of history. But Jesus was actually, when he pulled that dirt, he was at the very beginning. How did God create? He spoke the word. So Jesus was at creation. He was the Word that spoke. And just as He spoke in the very beginning, when he took the dirt of the earth, mixed it with, mixed it with his spatomb, he then took put that on his eyes. And the moment Jesus released faith, because when creation happened, that was faith in action for six straight days. And on the seventh day, he rested. And when Jesus did this again now, 4,000 years later, he took and he reached down and he released faith one more time again and recreated the sockets and the eyes of this man who had been born that way. The moment this man encountered Jesus, he encountered his miracle. See, that moment wasn't about Jesus. That moment was about the man. That miracle was about the man. Jesus saw a need, and he took steps to meet that need. He became the miracle this man felt he would never have, ever. Jesus wasn't summoned to minister to this man. His parents didn't send word to to the Lord and, and said, please come and pray for our son. We know he'll see if you pray for him. Jesus went to him. Jesus saw him. Some of you, maybe you feel like you're isolated. Maybe you feel like you're never seen. Maybe you feel like that God sees everything except your circumstance, situation, in life. I'm here to tell you, you may go unnoticed by others, but you're never unnoticed by God. Jesus was there for that man at that moment for the miracle. Look at John 9, 7, and he said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated, sent. Now what I find interesting about this, there are other portions in Scripture that deal with the aspect of washing. Remember when Naaman, the great commander, he had leprosy. Then word reached him that there was a prophet in Israel that praised for people and miracles happened. And Naaman, with his entourage, went to Elisha. And after being there, Elijah says, go and wash in the Jordan River. Dip yourself seven times. The number of completion. At first, Naaman was outraged. Aren't there other rivers in the area that are much cleaner? I'm a great man. I'm a commanding general. Well, as great as you are, you were still sick. You weren't exempt from having your physical body come under attack. Finally, when he went and washed in the Jordan, those seven times, he was healed. He was restored. And just as Elisha commanded Naaman to wash in the Jordan River, Jesus instructed the blind man to wash in the pool of Siloam. You know what this was? This was a challenge of faith for Naaman, and it was a challenge of faith for the blind man. A challenge of faith from Jesus to this man who was born blind. And what transpired was God's faith would be connecting with this man's faith. And when their faith collided, the man was healed. It says in John 9, 7, the last portion of that scripture, so he went and washed and came back seen. Again, miracles are released when you partner your faith with God's. How many of you are ready to partner your faith with God's faith. Hallelujah. That's when the supernatural is activated. And not just for your own needs, but partner your faith for the needs of others. In conclusion, God wants to work in you, but He also desires to work through you. Allow your faith today And tomorrow and the days beyond allow your faith to partner with God's faith I want to encourage you to tap in to the miracle God has for your life but don't stop there tap into the miracle that God has for someone else's life as well don't make it all about yourself do you know we're blessed to be a blessing we're healed to bring healing to others We're given provision and abundance and prosperity so we can bless others. Spread the abundance. Jesus took a few loaves and fishes and fed thousands, the multitudes. And what God gives to us, trust me, when you partner your faith with God's faith, He will multiply your miracle and it will flow into the lives of others. Be the miracle someone has been praying for. Move beyond your own world and step into God's. Don't miss your opportunity to be God's hand outstretched. Life doesn't stop with us. It expands through us to the lives of others. That's why Jesus came. He came to restore humanity so God's family could be enlarged. Praise the Lord. Live in the moment. Hear me. Live in the moment, that moment where miracles are released, the moment where prayers are answered, the moment where your faith partners with God's faith. The other night, Joe Jackson was in the area. He was at a conference I was attending. For those of you who don't know that name, he's a good friend of mine. He's been to River of Life. He'll be back with us in October. It's been two years since his last time with us. Played in the NFL with the New York Jets and the Minnesota Vikings was a Super Bowl contender as well. And now he's a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we were having dinner in between meetings. Finally, when one of the busboys came to pick up some of our plates and dishes, he turned to Joe and he said, did you play football? And Joe said, yes, I did. Where did you play? He said, well, I played in New Mexico State and in the NFL. And Joe said, are you a football player? He goes, well, I would like to be, but I have epilepsy. And so I've been sidelined, and I'm not able to participate at this time. And I said to him, I said, well, this, Joe and myself, we're preachers of the gospel. We love Jesus. And Jesus heals people. They we're right in the restaurant. Tables all around us. I didn't care. He had a need, and I was going to reach out to that need. And I said, his name was Antonio. I said, Antonio? can I pray for you that God will heal you and restore your physical health? He goes, please. 16 years old. So I laid hands on him, Joe did, and I prayed in that name that is above every other name. I said, Father, in the name of Jesus, this is no accident that we're here with Antonio right now. Lord, you chose this restaurant because you knew Antonio would be here. This is the moment he's been waiting for. And I said, in the name of Jesus Christ, I speak against epilepsy and every other infirmity in your body. And I command that it loose its grip and I call you healed by the name and the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. And I got this loud. Not because I was trying to put on a show, but I felt the presence of God, Jesus, and Italian food. What a great combination. (laughs) Hallelujah. Tears coming down the cheeks from his eyes. He said, thank you so much. The next day, I actually had a luncheon with Convoy of Hope that they held at the same restaurant. Imagine that. God is so good. and he? he just likes to drive the nail even deeper into Satan's coffin. And we were there. Finally at the end, he says, Antonio here. There he was. Came. We got pictures with him. And just said, God's got his hand on your life. Then his mother works there. We met her. And I said, Jesus has a plan for your son. And he has a plan for your life. And she said, Gloria a Dios. Gloria a Dios. I believe that. I believe that. Hallelujah. All because I stepped into the moment. That that young teenage boy needed. The moment for his healing. The moment to infuse faith. God has moments where he'll minister to you. But there are many, many moments beyond you. That are for the lives of others. Be the miracle that they have been praying for. Just like the man at the Gatherin tombs. Jesus heard his cry. And there was that moment waiting for that man and jesus went even through a storm remember i preached on that last week you know the other side you may feel like you're in a storm well i'm doing what the lord's told me to do and man it just seems like life is getting pretty rocky and stormy well that's a good thing that means the devil's afraid of you well if he is i'm not seeing it trust me he's afraid of you hallelujah moment you open your eyes and put your feet on the floor every day, it sends a shock wave through hell. And their cry is, don't allow them to see who they really are. If they do, they will change someone else's life. I will lose another one to Jesus. Just like the old commercial, lost another one to Geico. Satan knows he'll lose another one the kingdom of God. That's what we want. He's a loser. He's a loser. He's already lost. Let's remind him every day by stepping into the moments God wants us to be the miracle for. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. That's all I have. Praise the Lord. I'm done. But now it's time to allow your faith to collide with God's faith. All I want to do when the, when, the, when the girls lead us in worship, the team leads us in worship, I call them the girls because Cindy and I, they're like our daughters. We, don't you love these two ladies? They're really not girls. They're ladies. But as they lead us in a time of worship, I want you to not only stand and sing, but I want you to come for however long. But just as Jesus said to that blind man, go and wash in the pool of Siloam. Just allow your faith for a brief moment, during this service at least, to connect with the God of all faith. Allow that collision to happen. Allow that miracle to be released into your life. And just as that man went to the pool of Siloam and washed and he was healed, you just come and say, Lord, I want you to baptize me with your faith and bring the moments people are waiting on. The answers to prayer they're believing for. Lord, let me be part of their miracle. Lord, I'm available. I want to step in to the moment in others' lives as well as my life. If that's your desire to live in the moment, then just come for however long when they begin to sing and just say, Lord, I'm yours. I say, Yes. Let me be the miracle someone's waiting on. Let me be your hands. Let me be your voice. Let me be your feet. Lord, use me. Let me be the portion they need the moment they're waiting on. Amen. Thanks for listening to the River of Life Church podcast. Subscribe and rate us right now on iTunes to be first to get access to new audio messages every week. Visit rolcdoylestown.org or like us on Facebook to always stay up to date on what's going on at ROLC. If you would like to support this ministry, visit the online giving page at our website. Join us next time for more from River of Life Church.